So Friday at noon, uh, something happened. Uh, Kanye West released a new album called Jesus is King. Uh, I never, ever, ever, ever thought that that would be my first line opening the table. <laughs> hey, if we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac, and I'm one of the pastors here at the table. And yeah, so my, this happens on Friday, and the internet explodes, and my phone explodes, and I'm like, what? What's going on? I'm like, wait, wait, who? Kanye West? What? What's, he released a, a gospel hip-hop? What's going on here? And then I started listening to it and realized this was very different than previous hip-hop artists that have released albums. Yeah, last year, I don't know if you know, guys know this, Snoop Dogg released a gospel album um, called uh, The Gospel of Love. But in Snoop Dogg's gospel album, he, used, he says this line. He says, Lord, please forgive us for the sins we're about to commit. Which I'm like, okay, Snoop Dogg, okay, that makes that uh, that makes that kind of makes sense from your previous line of work, um, but <laughs> but I was so when Kanye releases this album, I was so curious. So I start researching. I listen to the whole thing. I start reading his, looking at his interviews, and this is just different. It's different. So th- so this interview that I watched, the interviewer asked asked him, "Hey, uh, Kanye, uh, when did you become a born again Christian?" Uh, when did you start following Jesus with your whole life? And I thought um, he would have said, oh, I've been a Christian my whole life. And if you've listened to previous Kanye stuff, you know that he's had religious undertones throughout a lot of his music, especially the last, I don't know, five, six years. Um, but he said, no, I got saved in April. <laughs> what? He's like, yeah, I got saved in April. It was right after Coachella. It was right before Easter. That's when I, that's when I got saved. Wow. I'm like, What? Hold, wait, Kanye, what you, what's going on, man? So I start, so this is, let me just, re, I want to read you exactly what he said in this interview. He said, now that I'm in service to Christ, my job is to spread the gospel to let people know what Jesus has done for me. Kanye West. He said, I've spread a lot of things. There was a time I was letting you know what high fashion had, had done for me. And if you know Kanye West, if you're familiar with his life, he's real into fashion, design, and, and art. He said, there was a time I was letting you know what high fashion had done for me. Um, I was letting you know what Hennessy had done for me. Hennessy is an alcoholic drink. Um, (laughs) But now, but now I'm letting you know what Jesus has done for me. I'm no longer a slave. Listen up. Kanye West. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son. A son of God. I'm free in Christ. This is incredible. Now, let me, let me, okay, this, is Kanye West becoming a Christian, is it cool? Yes, it's cool, right? Is this the best thing that's ever happened to Christianity? No, it's not. But it's cool. It's cool. Let me, not only that, he gets so vulnerable in this interview. He says um, when he was five years old, his dad left out a Playboy, and he looked at it, and that bore, that was a gateway to this full-on pornography addiction for him. And he said that that pornography addiction has influenced every decision in his life up to this point. Right? Are you guys familiar back in 2009 at the MTV Awards? Do you guys know what happened there? Any Taylor Swift fans? <laughs> so what happens there at the MTV Awards, right? Kanye comes up, and he's an idiot. And basically what, what he said was that, that what happened there, that was his, his pornography addiction was written all over that. He was trying to be this rock star, the jeans that he wore, the sunglasses that he wore, um, the bottle of Hennessy was there. 
um, he was just trying to live this rock star lifestyle. And his, he said that b- before that event happened back in 2009, his mom had just passed away, just doing through lots of different coping mechanisms, um, and sh- was just had the sex addiction, according to Kanye, which is the awareness and the vulnerability is, is incredible. So basically, and I was talking about this with um, one of the dudes in my life group, um, my boy Josh, well, he'll come up here a little later, but we were talking about Kanye and... Um, basically what, had ha- what happened was Kanye got to the end of himself, right? He tried to do everything in the world that he thought would find pleasure, tried to find life, and realized that there was no life there. His life was completely um, deconstructed and then constructed again to be ma- made in the image of Christ. So this is what he's doing with his new life in Christ now, is he's writing songs that follow Jesus, right? He just, his entire album is called Jesus is King, he, his last song on the album is called Jesus is Lord. The song that we heard is the first song, uh, it's the most popular song in the album. It's the number one streaming song right now in the United States. It's called Follow God. You see the number one streaming song in the United States is Follow God, right? And then you, lo- you look at the lyrics and Kanye is so honest where he says this. He says, I think we have a slide here that we can look at. He said, I'm just trying to find I've been looking for a new way. I'm just really trying not really to do the full way, right? He said, I'm just trying to find, I've been looking for a new way. I'm just really, I'm just really trying not to really do the full way. Here's, we're, we're in this season, sorry, we're in the series called Seasons, right? Where we're, we're trying to identify different seasons of our life, and we're trying to see how is God moving in our life in the season that we're in. And we said that God tends to move in different ways depending on the season that we're in. So we look at the life of Kanye. I think he's in a season of growth. <laughs> is he not? Look, look, from him being an idiot, and he, now, not that he's, and look, not that he's not going to be, make dumb decisions in the future. We all are going to, Right? But he's definitely in the season of growth. We can look at his life before, and he's taken major steps to be aware of where he was before to now what he's saying now and the life that he wants to live now, right? So he's in the season of growth. And I can actually relate to Kanye in a lot of ways, right? As Kanye is in the season of growth, right, he's trying not to be a fool anymore. He's trying to, um, trying to put the foolish things behind him. I can relate to Kanye in a lot of ways because I, too, am a billionaire hip-hop mogul married to Kim Kardashian, I'm not, but, but I, I think a lot of us can relate as we're in this season of growth where we're trying not to do the dumb stuff that we did before, we're trying to grow, trying to be holistic, we're trying to be, me, we're trying to be more like Jesus, we can relate to Kanye, right? And then at the end, right, he says, like, man, I had this conversation with my dad, and, he, and then, like, he starts spazzing at me, I start spazzing at him, and then he says, you're not being Christ-like, and I'm like, ah, we can relate to that because we, we're taking steps forward and then we get pointed out that, oh man, we haven't arrived yet. And then we get frustrated about it. And it's frustrating and it's awkward and it's messy. And that's what growth is. It's frustrating and it's awkward and it's messy. And we just want to be there. We want to arrive already. We just want to not be in this weird season of growth. We want to just have, just be fully grown already. But we're not. And it's frustrating, right? For some of us, man, we... Um, we want in a relationship with God, right? We just want to have arrived already and just be a perfect Christian and never sin again, right? But that's not where reality is. For some of us, it's, it's career, right? And in our jobs, we just want to have arrived already. We want to be at that job already. We want to have that promotion already. We want to be at that new job already. We just want to grow already. We don't even want to grow. We just want to arrive, 
right? And we're frustrated because we're not there yet. For some of us, it's time management. Like we've taken incremental steps getting better at managing our time. But for almost everyone in this room, we all know we're not sleeping enough. You know that. I'm tired. I'm tired. Hey, how's life? I'm so tired, right? And for some of us, it's money, Right? We're just, we, we've taken better steps. We're not blowing all of our money on fast food. Only like 80% of our budget is going to eating out because cooking is so hard. So, and we get frustrated. For some of us, it's, it's friendships, right? We've taken steps in friendships, but we're frustrated, right? For some of us, it's romantic relationships that we're trying to grow. Uh, for some of us, it's friendships growing to romantic relationships. Anybody? So... <laughs> So the question simply, the question simply, how do I grow? That's what we're talking about today. How do I grow? And my suspicion is that all of us in this room, right now in this moment or at some point, have asked this question before. How do I grow? So we're going to look at Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, the Apostle Paul actually says a lot when it comes to growth. What's going on here is he wrote a letter to the church in Colossae, this new church, these baby Christians, and he's like, man, I just want you to grow, and let's look at what the Apostle Paul says for how, uh, how, he grow, how to grow. So Colossians 1 is going to be on your screens. If you have your Bibles, it'll be on your apps. If you have that on your phone, Colossians chapter 1, where Paul says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge in all with, of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Right? So Paul here is saying, hey, look, this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to plead to God on your behalf, and here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So what is Paul praying for right here? He's praying for the church in Colossae and for you to have a big head. Have a big head, right? In in more uh, kind of more kind of academic way to say it, this is orthodoxy. Orthodox ortho meaning straight, doxy meaning or right, and doxy meaning uh, knowledge, right? He's like or thoughts, right? I want you to have the right thoughts. So orthodoxy or having a big head. This is what you think. And what Paul is saying, that I want you to have the right way of thinking about things. I want, and I want you to be filled. I want your head to be so big and just to be filled with the knowledge of who God is. Right? So as we think through who is God, then we look at Scripture. And Scripture tells us exactly who God is. And we can search and we can learn. Right? And Jesus, Jesus himself said that the Scriptures are about him. Right? So as we're learning, hey, who is Jesus? How can I be made more like Jesus? We have to know who Jesus is. And the way that we do that as we look at Scripture and we fill our heart with wisdom, we, sorry, we fill our mind, our, our head with wisdom, we fill our mind with understanding, and we look at Scripture, right? And we can look at doctrine, and we can look at theology, right? And then Romans 1 says that all of creation speaks of God's attributes, speaks of his existence. So we can look at nature to see who God is, but we know that that the scripture in the Bible is the most authoritative source on who God is. So that's where we're going to look primarily. And that's what Paul is saying. He's like, he's praying for a big head that we would think and that we would understand, that we would be filled with wisdom and understanding, right? So to have a big head, that means that we want to learn more about God, that we want to learn about the Bible, that we want to know doctrine, we want to know what, what God is saying about himself, what he's saying about you, and how he loves you, and how he created you. 
But Paul doesn't just say that. He continues in verse 10 where he says, as so as to walk in a manner for in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul is also praying for big hands. This is what you do, right? Big head, what you think. Big hands, this is what you do. Or as some, uh, or you can say orthopraxy. Again, ortho meaning straight or right. Praxy meaning practice. This is the, the, things, the things that we do. This phrase, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, this was a, a Jewish metaphor for how one behaves, how one conducts oneself, right? So we know that we don't do anything to make God love us more. We don't do anything to make God love us less. That we know that we have, if we're in Christ, we have complete right standing before him. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to prove anything to God. God accepts us just as we are. And in light of that, what we do matters. All of that is true, and yet what we do still matters. How we conduct ourselves, how we behave, the things that we do matters. The things that we don't do matters. We need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, right? And we know that we, as we do that, we're going to bear fruit. So we, if you want to know what bearing fruit looks like, check out the podcast. We literally talked about that for nine weeks um, earlier this fall as we went through the fruit of the Spirit, right? So... Uh, we know that what we do matters. So Dallas Willard has this quote where he says, um, what would Jesus do if he were me? All right? have you heard the phrase, what would Jesus do? It's a super helpful phrase. Dallas Willard says, what would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if he had my family? What would Jesus do if he had my job? What would Jesus do if he had my friends? What would Jesus do if he were me? All right? it's a very helpful way to think about it. So Paul is praying that we have big hands, right? that this is what we do. He continues where he says, I want you to have a big heart, right? Where he says in verse 11, be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. In the, the first part of 12, giving thanks to the Father, right? So right here, he's praying for endurance and patience. And what's that word? With joy, right? With joy. This is what we feel, Right? If a head is what we think, hands, excuse me, is what we do, heart, this is what we feel. Right? We feel joy. In the way, excuse me, in the way that we feel joy, as he says, by, by giving thanks, right? As we remember what God has done for us and it just fills our heart. And we just want to sit in the presence of God. We can just sit there knowing that God is good and we can just sit and our hearts can just be filled with joy, even in spite of our circumstance, if it's not good, in spite of anything that's going on, in spite of people just hating us. We know that in light of that, we can still have joy and God can fill our hearts with who he is, remembering that he is good and he's called us sons and daughters, right? And because of that, our hearts just get so full. So we have a big heart by feeling God's love, by having an encounter with the living God, by experiencing God. And sometimes that brings us to tears. Have you ever been in a music moment, in a worshipful moment when we're just singing, it just brings you to tears, right? Have you ever been in prayer just on your own by yourself and it just brings you to tears? In, in a sermon, right? Or somebody speaking to you or a podcast or an article that you read and it just moved you to the point of tears, but good tears, right? This is having a big heart. This is feeling, right? So again, ortho, meaning uh, straight or right. Pathy, this is feelings, right? So Paul is praying that we have a, a big heart. 
So as we can see, we have the trifecta, right? Where Paul's asking and praying that we have a big head, that we have a big hands, and that we have a big heart. So my suspicion, though, is that we don't have a big head, big hands, and big heart. My suspicion is that for a lot of us, we have a big head, big hands, or big hearts. Right? My suspicion is that all of us tend to gravitate toward one and not all three. Maybe one and two, but definitely not all three. So you're in luck because we're about to take a quick quiz to figure out which one you lean to. You guys ready? Okay. Here we go. So uh, big head. Big head. So these are people, these are Bible nerds, straight up. These are people that love doctrine. They love theology. They love just digging deep, getting in there, right? They want to know every word. They just want to sit. They're going to read commentaries, going to read articles. Like they're reading, they're listening to podcasts, they're binging. You know that friend that you have that's always just listening to a podcast for some, some preacher? Big head. That's a, that's a big head friend. Or that person that's always reading, that person that's looking at commentaries. Um, big head people, bless their hearts. They're great. They really are. They're, if, they're, 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 your, they're your smart friends when it comes to like faith stuff. Um, they have, a, they love, oh my gosh, big head people, man, they love when you ask them questions. They do, they do, because they have an answer, because they've studied it. They love it, right? They love answering your questions. It, it brings a big head Christian so much joy when someone says, hey, can you uh, tell me about Galatians? And they're like, yes, I can, right? So they probably read from the ESV Bible, right? If you use the ESV Bible, uh, spoiler, that's what we use here at the table, just letting you know. Um, They love Romans. They have verses memorized, maybe grew up in a a Baptist church or a Bible church or like a Reformed church, like a Presbyterian church. If you had that upbringing, um, there's a high chance um, that you are a big head Christian, right? So uh, again, uh, they're great. They're really smart. And um, they like to argue. Big head Christians like to argue, and they're waiting until, they don't, they don't mean this, they mean well, um, but they're waiting for you to say something wrong, <laughs> so they can be the first one to correct you, right? So let's say you mean well, and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for being in my heart, and they're like, ha, 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 Jesus is not in your heart, Jesus is on the throne, seated next to God the Father, the Holy Spirit is in your heart. <laughs> Those are big, if anybody says that, that's a big-headed Christian. How, how, do, I, how do I know this? I am a big-headed Christian. <laughs> Full disclosure, I'm a nerd, right? I am. I, I correct people. Um, I, I want to like prove people, prove people wrong. Like, I, I mean well most of the time, but man, I just, I just want to appear, appear smart. I just want to appear like I have a lot of answers. Um, that's how uh, typically I, I connect with God um, is through through my head, through my mind. That's how God uh, brought me to Him. That's how I. That's how I kind of think through. I'm, I'm a big-headed Christian. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just have to be about the Bible, too. So maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, which is cool. We're glad you're here. Um, but a big-headed person is just somebody who's really knowledgeable, somebody who just knows a lot, somebody who's an expert in your industry, right? Or if you're an old white guy, it's World War II. Like, you just know, you just know a lot, a lot about that, right? So, uh, so those are big-headed Christians, right? And uh, for some of us, though, we're not all big-headed Christians. Some of us have big hearts, man. Man, these are our sweet friends. Just have such big hearts, right? They just love, man, man. See, my tone is changing. Just love, I can't be mean to the big heart Christians. They're too nice. Just love experiencing God. I can be a little punchy with big hearts. Big hearts, I can't. Big hearts just love experiencing God. 
right? Just your safe friend, just wants to sit with you, just super caring. They love prayer. They're going to be the first person to pray with you. They're going to ask you, hey, how are you doing? They're going to check in. You know that friend that texts you to check in on you? If you were that friend, it's probably your big-hearted Christian, right? They just, they just love people. They're just so caring. They connect with God through their emotions, through experience, right? Um, they, if you say, hey, we're going to have a prayer night, they're like, oh, my gosh, I just love prayer. I just want to show up there. Big-headed Christians do not get excited about prayer night. Just let, big heart Christians, man, they love sitting there in prayer. I remember um, uh, I was um, in, in a life group setting one time uh, back, back when I was living in Dallas, and um, there was, in this life group, there was a lot of, a lot of big hearts in the room, and this uh, one, um, one girl, she was like, man, I just see us all together, and um, I just see this waterfall just flowing, <laughs> this river flowing, and it's so, and I could sense just God's spirit and God's presence, and I just see this ribbon that's just uniting, with a needle, um, piercing through all of our hearts, just uniting all of us together. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not poking fun. Okay, maybe a little bit poking fun. I'm not, I'm not poking fun. This is, this is great because some people, this is good. Like some people just really connect with God through experience, through emotions, right? If you grew up in a charismatic church, you grew up in a, um, yeah, a, a charismatic church or really Pentecostal, even Methodist to some extent, um, you, there's a high chance that you have a big heart. Uh, so we have also big hands, right? These are big hands. These are people that are like, shut up and do. Like, no more, no talking, no feeling, just do, just go, right? These are like the fire ready aim people, right? They just like want to go. Like whenever um, Hurricane Dorian came, they were the first people, hey, what are we doing in the Bahamas? What are we doing? What are we doing? How can, how can we help? How can I serve? These are people, these are the, the friends that are like, we're not doing enough in the city. There is like um, human trafficking going on. There is poverty that's going on. There's prison ministry that's going on. We need to do something. We need to do something. They love the book of James, right? Because James is all about faith without works is dead. If you're not doing it, you're not a Christian. We need to do stuff, right? These are our, our works friends, right? These are the big hands. They love works. They love service. They love backpack drives. Um, so maybe grew up, uh, perhaps grew up Catholic, maybe Salvation Army, or maybe, maybe something else as well. Um, so my, my read, though, is that all of us, as we've interacted a little bit, are you ready to do some live polling? You guys ready? Some live polling? Okay, so I'm about to ask, which one are you? Which one do you lean to? Do you lean to having a big head? Do you lean to having a big heart? Or do you lean to having big hands? So where are my big head people? My hand is up. Big head people? Yep, yep, I see you. I see your hand. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, I got to be careful because we're going to, after the sermon, you're gonna, you guys are going to be like, you said this wrong. <laughs> okay, what about our, uh, our big hands people? Any big hands people love serving? Yep, 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 yep. So we had this thing called the table. We have table hosts. Just kidding. Uh, Great. What about big heart people? Big heart people? Yep. 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 There we go. Hey, so as, so as we can see, all of us come from different starting spots. All right? All of us come from different starting spots. And all of us, God will use that to draw us to him. But as we're going to see, there are some myths that come when it comes to growth. Right? We're still talking about growth. But there are myths when it comes to growth. There are things that we think are true that may not be true when it comes to growth. And my suspicion is your starting point, whether you start with a big head or start with big hands or start with a big heart, is going to influence how you think growth happens. 
right? So there's a super, super helpful book that I read um, that I'm going to be referencing a lot from now on called How People Grow. It's by Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Uh, it won't be on the screens, but feel free to write it down. Fantastic read. was so helpful as I was researching and prepping for today. Um, so in the book, they give growth myths. So I'm just going to reference some of the growth myths that happen. So people that typically lead um, with big hearts may think growth happens uh, may think that growth pri- kind of only and primarily happens like at a heart level or at an emotional level or at an experiential level. And what proponents of this will argue is that, that we need to find the pain in our life. We need to dig to the pain. We need to dig it out and present it. And then we need to take that pain to Jesus and how Jesus can transcend time and he can sit with us in that pain. Right? And th- thinking that growth happens just through experience, through emotions, it's almost like an emotional archaeologist, right? You're going to dig in there, you're going to use tools, you're going to be careful because you have to be gentle, kind of get in there, you don't want to disrupt a lot of things. But people that lean toward big heart, people that think that growth primarily happens at a heart level, um, think that growth happens whenever Jesus just sits with us in the pain, and he's just there, and he's present with us. And although that's not necessarily wrong, um, there needs to be a more holistic approach when it comes to growth. So moving on, then we have the, the hands only or big hands uh, kind of myth when it comes to growth, that um, growth only happens with what you do. And specifically, growth only happens for what your sin that you do or this, things that you do and things you don't do, right? It's all like it, growth happens like at a stop, stop sinning level. So like when, if you were to hear sermons um, that primarily come from a, a hands-only method of growth, um, then you're going to hear the, the big idea is this. Stop it. All right? So and really it's kinda, it could be three points to where it's uh, God is good, you are bad, so stop it. Right? And then you're like, okay, cool. Like, is that, like, is, is there more to that? No, no, just stop it. Stop sinning. Just stop it. Right? Control what you do. Get a handle on it. Try, try harder. Right? You're not, you're not doing this right. If you're struggling, you're not doing it right. You need to stop sinning. Right? Your left hand's causing you to sin. Cut it off. Right? Your right eye, gouge it out. Which is, again, helpful to some extent, but I think it really minimizes a holistic approach to growth. Right? So, because what the, what the model argues or what the hands only says is that, man, if you're struggling, like all of, your, all of your problems in life, all of your problems are a result of your sin. So if you're having, if you're married, if you're having marriage issues, relationship issues, if you're having um, just emotional problems or depression or anxiety, it's because of some sin in your life. So stop it. And the people that are actually struggling with relationship problems and people that are struggling with anxiety or depression, like, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying. And maybe you've been there before. Like, I'm trying, I'm trying, and I still seem to not be growing. What's going on here? It's because we need to have a more holistic approach to growth. So then we get to head only. And I think my suspicion is probably a number of us in this room, even if you're not a, a head, primarily a head Christian, um, I, my suspicion is that in a lot of the teaching, because a lot of people appear on the platform that teach are head people, and um, this is what you've heard maybe for a lot of your life, is that uh, being, that growing happens primarily by learning truth. And if you grew up in that, uh, maybe you've said this or you've heard your friends say this, like, man, I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm being fed, right? I don't feel like, I don't feel like the, the messages are deep enough. 
right? I don't feel like we're going, we're, go, we're, lear, we're learning enough here. We need to dig in more. We need to go deeper. What's happening here? What's happening here is that growth, in, in this thinking, growth primarily happens through the head and through truth. So, uh, so, the, the, so in this, in the big head um, idea of growth is that we need to learn more verses. We need to memorize more scripture. We need to learn more doctrine. And the truth needs to start with the head, work its way down to the heart, and go out to your hands. That's how growth happens is it starts with the head, to the heart, through the hands, right? This is what proponents of the big head model of growth would say, right? And then it, we just need to have a renewing of your mind for truth, Right? And as you renew your mind, just everything's going to be better, and all your, people, all your problems are going to go away. You need to learn how to think in your hearts. Don't feel in your heart. You have to think in your heart. This is what proponents of the big heads would say. And um, if you're struggling, it's because you don't have enough truth. So have more truth, more truth, more truth, and you won't struggle as much. You're not thinking about it the right way. Think, change your mind. Change how you think about it, and all your problems will go away. Right? And as we can see that as, people, as we're thinking through this, this idea of truth, man, a lot of us, we just don't feel free. And is it because we don't have enough truth? Maybe, but probably not. We probably have a very good grasp on what's right and wrong. We probably have a lot of truth in our lives, but things still aren't working, and we're still struggling. And as we're struggling and we're talking to people trying to help us grow, and they're just like, truth, 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 no more, no more, and you'll be better. And we're like, cool. How's that working for me? It's not. This is how we feel, right? So if we just had more truth, it would set us free because the truth sets us free. So you're probably lacking some truth in your life. Man, we can see, we can see, we see pastors, we see seminary professors, we see Bible scholars that are struggling. Is there a problem because they don't have enough truth? No. So there has to be something else going on here, right? So, uh, there was a, in, in, the, in the book, it gave, it gave this um, story, um, I think it was um, John, um, John Townsend that wrote the story, one of the authors of the book. He said that he was in seminary, and while he was in seminary, he was really excited, he was learning so much, and like reading the Bible, digging in the Bible, learning so much, and uh, to provide for himself while he was in school, um, he started working at a restaurant. So one of, his, uh, one of his coworkers, this waitress, was also working with him at the restaurant, and she knew that he was in, in, in seminary, right? So she asked him, or that's what he thought. So she asked him, hey, you're a Bible guy, aren't you? Man, and again, big head people, whenever we get asked, like, are we a Bible guy? We're like, yes, we are. What do you need? How can I serve you? How can I answer your question? Right? Because she had a question for him. Because she, she said, I have, I have a question for you. And he's like, oh, man, this is so great. I've been learning so much in seminary. I've, I've been digging so deep. Like, I'm learning things. This is amazing, right? Maybe she wants to ask me about how Jesus can be both fully God and fully man. Oh, I would love to talk about that. Maybe he wants to talk to me about, like, uh, uh, verbal plenary inerrancy, right? Maybe she wants to talk to me about penal substitutionary atonement, right? Oh, man, I'm really excited to answer whatever question she may have. You know what she asks? hey, when my boyfriend does cocaine, he beats me up a lot. What do I do? <laughs> How's somebody going to help you with that one, right? So it seems, so what, what in the book, what he said, what he ended up saying was, um, hey, well, he quoted Romans 8.28, where he said, well, uh, the truth is that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So, hey, like in this situation, you just have to know that all things are going to work together for good. That's the truth, right? Isn't, isn't that true? Is that helpful? No. So 
so eventually he comes back and is, is um, able to be helpful, but man, I think that's the problem that we have whenever we think that growth primarily happens through truth. Is, does growth happen through truth? Yes, absolutely, 100%. But it also happens through doing, and it also happens through feeling, right? So a lot of us have an incomplete idea for how the Bible helps with growth. So the Bible points to God for all growth. So all growth is spiritual growth. All growth is spiritual growth. As you grow through areas of your life, right, as you grow through your head, as you grow through your heart, as you grow through your hands, as you think through relationships in your life, as you think through things you need to think rightly, as you think through things you need to do, all growth is spiritual growth because all growth comes from God. So everything that fosters growth is ultimately from God. I'm just going gonna, gonna to read you an excerpt uh, from the book because I just found it so helpful. It'll be on the screens here where he says this. Um, Some Christian schools of thought teach that if you know the Bible well enough, you will automatically grow spiritually. These groups often frown on counseling as heretical, and they tell strugglers to get into the Word instead. The strange thing about many of these groups is that they don't practice what they preach. Instead of turning struggling people away with exhortations to study more, they provide relational support for their hurts, such as listening, comforting, and empathizing. They spend patient time with them, taking hours out of their week to meet with them, give them structures to guide their lives, such as principles of right and wrong, and organize ways to make, the, to, uh, organize ways to make decisions, help them in the forgiveness process, and pray with them. These very things, the Bible says, help people grow, and yet from the pulpit, you often hear, all you need is the Bible. It's an, it's an interesting paradox. They don't practice what they preach. So this was uh, my story. Uh, so when I was in college, um, I, I, I kind of grew up, I grew up, I was a head, a head person, but I grew up in a heart culture because I grew up uh, charismatic. So finally, when I got to college, I finally encountered other head Christians. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm learning so much. And it was so great. And then I, went, I was part of this life group. And in this life group, they just started ba- debating, like, do we choose God or does God choose us? And like, it was like a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just debating every week. And it caused so much division in our group, but I'm eating it up. It's like, oh man, that's such a good question. And it can be a helpful question. But I'm just growing and I'm learning. And then that, from that, trying to figure that out, that led me just to research a ton. And I was wanted to learn so much about the Bible and wanted to learn so much. I was like, oh my gosh, if people just knew the Bible well, if they just nerded out, people's problems, they don't, they don't know enough, they don't know enough, they don't know enough, right? If they just knew more, they just need, they're so um, what, ignorant, right? They're so ignorant about their faith. They just need to grow more. And if they knew more about the Bible, they would grow and we would have all healthy Christians, right? So I thought, and what happened, but at, during this time, um, I'm not helping people follow Jesus. I'm not serving anybody, I'm just like digging deep, digging deep, digging deep. And I suffered from uh, what some may call bible olatry. What is bible olatry? right? bible olatry is that thinking that the Bible was here just to satisfy our intellectual curiosity. Any question that we have, man, we just want to like dig deep, dig deep, and we think that that's, that's the point of our faith, is to dig deep and learn about the Bible. Now, that being said, let me, let me, let me back off a little bit. Does the, is the Bible helpful for growth? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Is truth helpful? Yes, 100%. Is knowing about the Bible helpful? Yes, but you have to know its aim. Its aim is not an end of itself. Its aim is to help you on a path to become more like Jesus, to help other people become more like Jesus. So as we look at the Bible as an end of itself, it's not helpful for anybody. 
we have to look at the Bible as the scriptures, as Jesus says himself about what the scriptures are. They are the scriptures that testify about who Jesus is. So we want to learn the scriptures to learn about who Jesus is so we can pattern our lives after him and then help other people pattern their lives after him. The entire Bible is written to, to talk about Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to the cross and the resurrection. Everything after that points to the cross and resurrection. It's always about Jesus and his life and his death and, what he, and his resurrection and what he did for us. So to have a healthy body, we must have a big head, we must have big hands, and a big heart. Not only big head, not only big hands, not only big heart. We must have a big head, big, ha- big hands, and big hearts, right? For some of us, though, we have a big butt. <laughs> Where we just want to sit and not do anything, right? We don't care about having a big, we don't care at all, we don't care at all about having a big head. We don't care at all about having big hands. We don't care at all about having a big heart. We just don't care. We have a big butt. We just want to sit down and we're just like, feed me, consume me, right? <laughs> Growth happens with having a big head, big hands, and big heart. Here's the big idea. Here's how we grow. Here's how we grow. Get healthy and help others get healthy. As you're growing, as we're growing our head, as we're growing our hands, as we're growing our hearts, right? We're going to grow holistically, and as we're doing that, we're going to get healthy, right? So get healthy and help others get healthy, right? So how do we do that? How do we get healthy, and how do we help others get healthy? How do we do this? Here's how. Recognize and reach out. Recognize and reach out. How to get healthy and how to help other people get healthy is to recognize and reach out. So recognize. Recognize. So as I think for a lot of us, I think we can see, we ask, like, how do I grow, right? And then do I need to, like, do I need to, like, feel more? Do I need to do more? Do I need to learn more? Do I need to think right? Do I need to feel right? Do I need to do right? What do, what do I need to do here? Oftentimes, though, how we grow is you recognize that there's probably a problem in your life. What's the problem? What's the problem in our life? Because, and here's why, here's why I say this, because your problem is your pathway for growth. As you think through your life, as you think through problems that happen in your life, as you happen through things that are often unexpected, right? For some of us, we feel stuck. We feel like nothing is happening at all right now. We feel like we're not growing. How do I grow? Do I need to get into a Bible study? Do I need to serve? Do I need to, um, do I need to be open up more? Like, what, what do I need to do here? Look, recognize there's probably a problem in your life. Recognize what the problem is. Is it a relationship? Is it work? Right? Is it, is, it, um, is it something you're feeling, right? For some of us, it's those of us that are married, is it a marriage conflict? Is it a dating conflict? Is it depression? Is it a doubt? Is it some addiction for dudes? Is it porn for girls or girls as well? For some of us, is it, is it, uh, is it an eating disorder? Like, is there a problem in our life, right? Is it, is it career failure? Is it troublesome emotion? Is it some hurt from our past? Is there a problem that's going on in our life? And recognize what is the problem, What's the problem? Search our hearts to recognize what the problem is, right? So where are you sick? Where are you sick? What's going on in your life? What, what's wrong in your life? What do you, what's consuming your mental energy right now? What's the thing that stresses you out? What's the thing that you just can't get past? What's the thing that keeps you up at night? What's the thing that you think of the first thing you get up in the morning? 
recognize what's the problem because your problem is going to be your pathway for growth. Right? The psalmist writes this, where he, it's for some of us to figure out, maybe we don't know what our problem is, maybe we don't even know how to recognize our problem, this is where prayer can come in. Well, prayer can come in in a lot of ways. Here's where it can come in specifically right here. It's just asking God to help you identify the problem. Right? The psalmist says this, he says this in Psalm 139, he says in verse 23 and 24, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive thing going on within me and lead me to the way of the everlasting. What is he asking for? He's asking God to help reveal some problem that's going on in his life. Recognize what's going on. Is there something that I'm unaware of that's going on in my life right now? God, can you please just help me identify a problem? Um, I don't know if you guys know this. Some of you do, some of you don't. We're really big into the Enneagram around here. All right, do you guys know this? Some, some of us, some of us? He, here's, and here's why. Here's why we're so big into the Enneagram. And I, and I say this, and immediately some of you are like, yes, I love the Enneagram. Like, I'm a, I'm a two. I don't know. Uh, it's so helpful, just like me. So the, re- the, reason, the reason we love the Enneagram, and for some of you, though, you're very anti-Enneagram. You're like, I don't like that. That's witchcraft. Uh-uh. I don't, I don't like it. Nope, nope, nope. And you get, like, really offended, and you don't like it. And look, I'm not, I'm not selling right now. I'm not selling you on the Enneagram right now. I'm not. I'll do that when I get off later. But, but he- he- here's why. Here's why we like the Enneagram. is because it helps us recognize What the Enneagram does is it tells you, it doesn't tell you how you're awesome. It tells you probably some problem in your life. It tells you, hey, here's some distorted motivation that you have, and here's here's a a recognition to what this motivation is, and it probably does not come from a healthy spot. It probably comes from some childhood wound, right? So for me, I'm a type 3 in the Enneagram, and you don't need to know what a type 3 is, but what you do need to know is here's, here's what I recognize the problems in my life, is I, f- I care so much about people's approval of me that I will orient my entire life just to get approval from people, right? That I just want to achieve, and I want to succeed, and I think that I am a failure if I don't achieve. This is what, I, at my core, my sin nature, my flesh, this is what I believe about myself, is that I think that I am a failure if I'm not achieving, if, I'm not, if I, people don't think that I'm awesome, if I'm, not, if I'm not ambitious, if I'm not succeeding. Like, oh, man, I just want the table just to be the best thing ever. Like, I just want the host to be the best thing ever. I want young adult ministry the best thing ever. I want to be so smart. I just want people to think I'm awesome. At my core, this is so distorted. This is what I believe, though, outside of Jesus. So this is why we like the Enneagram. For others, it's control issues. For others, it's, it's boundaries. For others, it's people-pleasing. For others, it's thinking that you're, you're not unique. For others, it's like, I need, I need to learn more and more knowledge. I'm not going to go through all nine. <laughs> well, I'm already like halfway through, though. But for some of you, it's doing the right thing. No. <laughs> so this is why we like the Enneagrams. It's so helpful for us to recognize the problems in our life, and knowing that a lot of the problems that we have are probably motivated by something that's distorted within us. So the Enneagram helps us to become healthy, right? So even two weeks ago, again, I'm a type three. Type three is like to push hard, like to achieve, like to succeed, right? So we, we launched these things called missional communities, and um, along with the table, I also get to bring leadership to the young professional singles missional communities. Um, p- quick plug for missional communities. Missional communities are ga- uh, belongings of people, communities of people that have dinners together, that have life groups together, that serve together. If you're here at the table, we have a missional community for you. After the table, go ask about it back in the Connection Lounge. Plug over. So I bring leadership to our missional community for young professional singles. 
right? And we've been, things have been amazing. We've had amazing serving opportunities and amazing dinners. And I also bring leadership here at the table and things are going so well. And I burned out two weeks ago. Why? Because I think that things happening here is because of my success, because I can achieve, right? So I push myself really hard and I don't rest, right? And then even, so two weeks ago, I was here on a Sunday and some of you saw me and um, you're like, Isaac, are, are you okay? You're not, you don't seem to be doing too well. And I was a zombie. I was just like, it's like almost like a Mortal Kombat finish him, just kind of like, uh, just kind of like spinning like this. So this, this comes, my, my thinking in this way becomes because my problem is thinking that I just need to work harder, work harder, work harder. And that's not true. It's not true. It's a lie that I believe, right? And, and it's so helpful to, to, for me to be able to recognize it. And not only, not only me recognize it too, but number two, reach out. Reach out. We need other people to help us recognize the problems in our life. Here's, here's the big idea for growth. You can't do it on your own. You can't. And you've tried and you've failed. And I've tried and I failed. You cannot grow on your own. God, using people, is his primary way that he grows us, right? On the screens here, we have Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, where he says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, right? So we, and here in the text, we have grow up into who? Into Christ. How? Joined and held together by, ev- excuse me, by every joint with which it is equipped. What does this mean? It's mean we are all collectively part of the body where Jesus Christ is the head. And we are all growing to be more like Jesus. And we need each part, each ligament, each tendon, each muscle, each bone. We need the body healthy. And when we see people suffering, when our arm is hurting, that bothers us, right? And when our brother or sister is hurting, that should bother us. Why? Because they're our body, Right? They're our, they're our spiritual body, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the part where Jesus Christ is the head. So we need people to help us grow. We need people to help us recognize our problems. And the way that we do that is we ask them for truth in our life. We ask them, hey, can you just speak into my life for a second? Is there anything you see in my life going on? Is there an area that I'm not seeing? Is there an area that I'm blind in? Is there, is there a relationship I'm not thinking through well? Is there a work thing I'm not thinking through rightly? Is there some, this, how I'm spending my time, how I'm spending my money, um, how, I'm spending, how I'm spending my sexuality? Is there something off right now that I'm just not seeing? Because it's possible that the reason we're not growing is we're blind. And the way that God has orchestrated it is we're not on our own. We have people that can speak into my, to our lives. Look, if you were to ask me, Isaac, can you speak into my life? I would be happy to speak into your life with gentleness and truth. Right? And pe- not just me. If you're in a life group, your life group members would love to speak into your life with gentleness and truth. Right? And if they're not gentle, we'll coach them on that. Right? Your, your life group leader would love to speak into your life. The people that you serve with would love to speak into your life, speak reality into your life, speak truth into your life. Help us with our blind spots. We all have blind spots. I have blind spots, and I've had people that can speak into my life to help me with my blind spots. Uh, when, I was in, um, when I was in college, I was my senior year. Um, I had just finished working at a, a, a Christian camp doing video. 
right? Before that, um, my, I had told my, my college pastor at the time, uh, I told him, man, I really think that I want to work for a church after college. This is what I told him before. And then I start working at this Christian camp, and then after I work for this Christian camp, um, I said, hey, hey, uh, his name is Kyle. Hey, Kyle, they, they offered me a full-time job at this camp, right? It's temporary. I don't, it's only like for four months, but I think that I'm just going to wait and take that four-month job because camp was really fun. I had this really good experience, and I think that's where my life could go. And then if it doesn't work out, then I'm really only just a year behind what I really want to do. And Kyle said, hey, Isaac, can we grab coffee? So we go for coffee. And he asked me more about how I'm thinking through life. And here's what he said. He's like, Isaac, I'm just, I'm a little, I'm a little confused. Because you said that you wanted to work for a church. You know, you have your degree in film. I think working for a church doing video production. Like, I really think I could help you with that if that's really what you want to do. Um, and I think, I think that could be a good thing for you as you're wanting to later move into more ministry and pastor, eventually pastoral ministry. Um, but now you're talking about this Christian camp. It just seems that... Um, Christian camping just seems to be a little different than what you originally felt like called from God to do. So, look, I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't. Uh, did, did you hear from God? And I was like, yes, Kyle, I heard from God. He was like, okay, Isaac, I love you. Make doubly sure you heard from God. <laughs> what is Kyle doing right here? Guess what? I didn't work at the camp. What is Kyle doing right here? He's saying, hey, Isaac has a blind spot right now when he's thinking through his career. I'm going to speak truth into his life. I'm going to define reality for him. I'm going to help let him know what's going on. I'm going to help provide options. I'm going to walk with him through this problem that he's encountering, not knowing what to do after college. But Kyle is speaking into my life through a problem that I have to help me grow. And now, look, the camp is great. It's an amazing camp. I love it. And I'm so glad I didn't work there. Because my path took a very different turn, and I, now I'm here with you guys here in Orlando, and that, that would not have happened had, had I taken that job. But it what did that take? It took Kyle, me, Kyle stepping in, asking if he could speak truth into my life, me humbling myself, saying, yes, Kyle, you can speak truth into my life. He spoke truth into my life, and I've grown so much from that, and God used that situation. All right? So we need people who can recognize our problems. Um, I think, though, for, for a lot of us, though, we, want, um, we just want a zap from God and all of our problems to go away. We don't want to grow. We don't like the process. We just want to arrive already, right? So in, in the models for, for growth are different ways. Um, some of us, especially those of us that grew up a bit more charismatic, right, we just think that God can instantly deliver us and can instantly heal us. Heal us. And can God do that with any problem that we have, any struggle that we have? Can God do that? Yes, he can. That's not primarily how God works, though, because primarily how God works is through people. And it takes us reaching out to people to be able to grow. So we need people that can speak into our head, right, to help us think the right way. We need people that can speak into our heart so we can feel the right way. Um, there's a difference between... Um, how thinking and feeling, it's just the head and the heart work in different ways, right? Because how the head works is by information gathering and knowledge and consuming information and learning, but the heart works through experience. So this idea of truth starting in your head and working its way down into your heart, it, it doesn't work that way because um, the head and heart operate in different ways, right? So how the heart works is through experience, right? How the heart works is by feeling, 
right? And then, but we need to be open when it comes to reaching out to people. If we want to move ourselves at a head level, it's them speaking truth into our life and helping us correct the wrong thing that we have. But if we want to grow at a heart level for people in our lives, for us to reach out, we need to be vulnerable enough at an experiential level, right? But for a lot of us, we hang out and we have fellowship and we hang out and we go to Ale House and we hang out and we go to Top Golf and we uh, go bowling and we do go-karts, we play disc golf, and we uh, go get our nails done. Guys, so, so what happens, though, when there's a lot of fellowship that's happening, even though there's a lot of hanging out, oftentimes, though, we've never shared enough information about ourselves at a heart level to feel growth, to feel God's love. We may know God's love from a conceptual level, from thinking, but in order to receive grace from people, in order to be moved at a heart level and connect emotionally at a heart level, we have to be open and vulnerable enough to share what's actually going on in our life and people that care about us to not let us off the hook, right? Whenever we say, hey, how's life? Oh, it's good. It's great. Yeah? Like, yeah, it's good. You sure? Yeah, it's good. No, it's not. <laughs> It's not good. I know what's going on. It's not good. Tell me about it. Talk about it, right? We have to be okay with that. We have to, that being said, if you don't have trust with somebody, don't do that. Don't share with somebody you don't have trust with. But people that we have trust with, we have to be able to open up, open our hearts enough to be moved on a heart level. And in the same way, we need, we need people that can challenge us at a hands level. We need people that can challenge us for us to try new things for us to practice new things, for us to do things in a different way and allow people, us to reach out and allow people to step in to speak into our lives to do things differently with our hands, right? For some of us, I said this last week, we need to change our playmates and our playgrounds. The reason we're not growing is because we do keep doing the wrong thing. But we need people in our life that can help us do the right thing because we are incapable of doing the right thing on our own. So we need to reach out and have people that are there with us and walking with us and are not going to judge us and we're not going to get it perfect and we're going to mess up and we're going to stumble and there's grace, right? And people are there like, hey, it's okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep going here. Don't give up. Don't give up, right? You're, the old way of doing things didn't work, right? No. So why are you going back to the old way of doing things? Hey, I love you. Let's do this new thing. Let's do it together. This is people in our lives, and we need people in our lives that can walk with us through our heads, that can walk with us through our hearts, and can walk with us through our hands. All right. Um, yeah, I think we're just going to wrap up here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know why I love Doug? <laughs> you know why I love Doug? I love Doug because I just, as I think through, um, as I think through somebody with a huge head, big old head, oh my gosh, Doug Hankins, his head, Dr. Doug. He has so much truth and wisdom and knowledge. And yet with that, he doesn't abuse people with that. He uses it to help. And his hands, right? Doug is, did y'all see, if you were here last week, I said I needed water. Who was the first person to bring me water? Doug? He, that's who he is when you go over, right? He serves you tea, serves you coffee. And not only that, if I'm going on, if I like have something going on in my life that literally keeps Doug up at night because he stresses for me. He's like, Isaac, I love you. I just don't want to see you hurting. Like, I want to make sure you're doing okay. Like, how's this thing going? Hey, checking in. Like, how are you doing? Doing okay emotionally? I just want to check how are you doing. Doing okay? Doing okay? So when I think of just a good example of somebody with a big head, somebody with a big heart, somebody with big hands, 
right? I, th- I, think of, I think of Doug and just how he's just somebody who can, we can follow. And, and really the reason that we can follow Doug is not because of who Doug is. It's because who Doug is following. Who is Doug following? David Youth. Who is David Youth following? <laughs> just kidding. Doug is, yes, but also he's following Jesus, right? Jesus, he, he, went, he argued with the Pharisees, right? They weren't beating him intellectually. They weren't beating him at a mind level. He had so much compassion for people with his heart. He served so much with his hands, right, to the point of death on the cross. Jesus is the ultimate example of who we follow as we think through growth, as we think through patterning our life after Jesus. Right? I think through um, we, there are sicknesses in our life, right? And we need healing, right? So imagine if the situation, um, imagine if somebody had cancer, right? And then you went to the doctor, and you're like, doctor, I think I have cancer. Some weird stuff is going on here. And the doctor was like, oh, well, let me tell you about everything I learned in med school about um, how cancer forms. And let me tell you um, how kind of the, the percentages, let me tell you um, kind of from a high, high level um, kind of w- what's going on at a cancer level. And you're like, cool, 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 doctor. What does this mean for me? And he's like, yes. What? That's, that's so not helpful. Or he's like, hey, if, like, let's, let's find a support group for you. Let's just get you around people. They can just sit with you. You're like, okay, but is this, is this helpful for healing? Is this helpful for growth? You're like, nah, just here's some people around you. Or is it just, hey, here's what, here's what um, everyone, like sugar causes cancer, so just don't eat sugar. Is that helpful? Like, is that what I need to do? Is that, and I, I think as it comes to growth, we need individualized treatment plans for growth. That's what we want when we're sick. We want a doctor to come in to t- with all of his knowledge to come in and tell us exactly what's going on and tell us exactly how to get well. And help, not only that, but help surround us with people who are going to love us, who are going to care for us, who we can be open with, and come up with an individualized treatment plan that's going to help us with exactly where we are. That's what we need for people in our lives, and that's what we need to do for our friends. And that's what we need our friends to do for us. And that's how we can help heal each other help grow each other as we pattern our lives and grow after Jesus, right? And wrapping up, and I think the growth process, the reason that we're frustrated is because it's slow. It's slow. It's slow. And we're frustrated because of that, right? And, and it's slow, and it takes way more time than we think, way more time than we think. And we think that uh, time heals all, so eventually things will get better. Time doesn't heal all. It takes a lot more than just time, right? We're not going to grow just by waiting. We need people that we need to recognize, we need to reach out. We need to recognize and reach out. What's our problem going on in life? And how can we have, with the people that love us the most, an individualized plan to help us? And it's going to take time, and it's slow. So friends, don't be discouraged. Don't be frustrated. Growth is going to be slow. It's going to be a process. For some of us, we just want to arrive already, and we haven't arrived yet. It's going to be slow. It's going to be a very slow process. And how do you know that you're in a season of growth? You're always in a season of growth. 
if you're thinking through, it's kind of a misnomer with the growth and seasons because the reality is that we're always in a season of growth, always. And it's awkward and it's frustrating and we feel like we take one step forward and one step back and two steps forward and one step back and we feel like we're growing and we're not growing and we're growing and we're not growing and we're all over the place. All right, so for the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about pruning. What does pruning look like whenever we have something that gets taken away? We're talking about harvest the week after that. But as we're always in this growth season, we know that we're always going to feel this tension of where we are and this tension of where we want to be. So we're about to sing this song called Seasons Change. And I think we feel that. I think we feel that there's different seasons of our life, there's different phases of our life, there's different things that's going on in our life, right? And, and with that, we know that God is still good. So if you're in a season of growth, which you are, because we always are, I just want you to know that God is still good and that God is with you and that God wants you to grow through your mind. God wants to grow through your heart and God wants to grow through your hands. So let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your steadfast love. God, I thank you for your sovereignty. God, I thank you that, God, you can just, we can recognize that you are good. God, and as seasons change in our life, God, we know that you love us, that you care for us. God, that you are with us. You're not against us. God, that you have put people in our lives that love us well. So we pray all these things in your name. Amen.